dollar cost averaging is um, is probably the number one strategy that you want to look at if you are wanting to be a passive investor, someone who doesn't have time to read the annual reports and, and do the you know mm. the discounted cash flow analysis and all that sort of stuff that comes with individual stock selection, which is quite difficult. You're exactly right. Dollar cost averaging is is by far the the simplest strategy and it's it's by far the most achievable because it, it is exactly what you say it takes that emotion out of investing it yes. dollar cost averaging is you saying okay I know that I can't time the market. I know yes. that I don't know if in the next week the stock market is going to go up or go down. The only mm-hmm. thing that I know is that when I look on Yahoo Finance and I look at the market and I scroll out over 10, 20, 30 years, all I see is that the market goes up. Welcome to Quarter Life Hack a podcast created for millennials by millennials. We'll be discussing relatable topics to empower and hack your quarter life journey. So stay tuned while we share and you learn. Welcome back to another episode of Quarter Life Hack. This is Nicholas. And this is Nikki. In this episode, we want to touch on something different than our previous episode, but very relevant to us all. And that is money. How we can manage our money investment, to be specific. And today, we have a very special guest with us that is very experienced in this topic. And he's also a millennial like us. He's a content creator, full-time YouTuber, and his YouTube account is called Aussie Wealth Creation, where he talks about investment, Money, money saving, and wealth creation. All financial related topics for us millennials. I truly enjoy his content because I feel it's very millennial friendly. It helps to educate young adults like us to be more financially literate. And I have personally used the recommended investment strategy. Let's welcome Brendan. Woo-hoo! Brendan, thanks guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming to the show. That's okay. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I listened to a few of your other podcasts and they're really good. So, uh, yeah, it's an honor to have uh, to be on the podcast. So, thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. We truly are a big fan of your YouTube as well. And I think that's why I, I, I reached out to you on one of your YouTube uh, videos. Yeah. And I commented, hey, man, I really loved your content. Uh, and I think mm. that whatever strategy that you're actually giving out, it's really relevant to us all. And I think we, we all need to be more financially literate. And you, mm. you, your, your channel does that. And I really yeah. love it. Oh, well, thanks very much. And, and yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. And we are also like sort of remotely because of the this whole crisis. You're, you're in Canberra. Yeah. Uh, mm. We're in Sydney. We're actually meant to go to Canberra for a bit of a yeah. road trip as well and maybe do this podcast. But because of the whole crisis, we are doing this remotely. Uh, so pardon to the listeners if anything is out of sync or if the audio quality is, uh, you know, not up to par. But yeah, we can. Uh, we, we would like to actually know know you more, Brandon. So maybe mm. to the listeners out there uh, that yep. doesn't know you yet, can you tell us a bit more about yourself? Uh, sure. So um, I'm Brandon. I'm 25. I live in Canberra, and 
I guess uh, I, I run now these days. I'm running my YouTube channel full time, um, which I've I've been that's Aussie Wealth Creation, and I've been running that channel for just over three years. And um, I recently just started up a business to kind of run alongside with the channel, which is called Profitful. So so that's kind of in its infancy, and we're trying to get that up and running. But um, but I I certainly never. Um, if you'd asked me what I was going to, if I was going to be doing this maybe five or six years ago, that was not, <laughs> I certainly <laughs> wouldn't have said that this is what I was going to be doing. Cause I was actually back in uni, I was studying to be a physiotherapist and oh, I wow. went through uni. Yeah. So I went through uni, um, to be a physio and then I finished that degree and I actually, I worked as a physio for three years and I actually started wow. my YouTube channel just as I had, uh, just as I had finished my uni degree. So over time, you know, I just kept chipping away with YouTube and it kind of got a little bit more popular and um, I'm super fortunate now that it's it's gotten to a point where I can actually work on it kind of full time. Yeah, wow, that's interesting. I Wow, you, so you studied physiotherapy in university yeah. and you were a yep. full-time uh, physiotherapist and now yep, you are for three years. You, for three years and then now mm. you, you divert to a full-time yep. YouTuber about financial planning or... Yeah, yeah. Wow, <laughs> it's a, okay. It's, so it's, a, pre- it's a pretty big difference. <laughs> yeah, could you maybe share with us like how do you make that transition or how do you actually come to this field of investment? You know, I've always thought that you actually mm-hmm. studied a bit of business or finance and that's why you maybe have interest in this. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, yeah. So um, how, how did I transition? It was kind of kind of weird. I've, I've always had this kind of passion for... I suppose uh, money. That sounds that sounds a bit weird. It doesn't sound like it's sound like a good passion to have, but I think it's an important passion to to kind of to to to, to strive to be kind of financially free. And I think that mm-hmm. when I finished my um, when I finished my degree, I quickly discovered that being a physiotherapist for forty years, it's going to get you so far, but it's certainly not going to get me to the place that I wanted to be. Um, so it was at that time where I just started kind of learning more about kind of investments and, um, and, you know, compound interest and that sort of thing. Um, so I started that YouTube channel, um, and just, you know, I didn't expect anything of it. And, but over, over time, like I've been working on it for a long time now. So over time it kind of just slowly grew and grew and grew cause I was very consistent with it. Um, and it was last year that was really, I suppose, what you'd call a breakout year for the channel, um, where I had some some really impressive growth. And it oh, got to a point where I, I wasn't so much looking at the amount of my, the amount of money that I was making from my job versus YouTube. I was I was more looking at the the growth rate of the two mm-hmm. different incomes. So, for instance, yes, I was working as a physio, and and, and the pay might have been a, a little bit better and and whatever. But the 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 growth of that um, income was extremely slow over time. And wage growth is something like 3% on average in Australia. So it's going to be slow over time. But what I was seeing with the YouTube channel is that the revenue from that uh, was was snowballing. It was getting, you know, more and more and more. Um, it was growing quicker and quicker. So that's actually when I, I kind of decided to, you know, focus on it full time. I, I just kind of looked at what I was doing in the like with physio and I just thought I'd I'd probably regret not at least giving YouTube a red hot crack so Mm -hmm. um, so yeah I decided to focus on YouTube full-time and I've been doing that for maybe about five or six months now I see so from what I hear is you you start with kind of the 
ambition or the passion of like trying to become financial free and that's where yeah. you kind of think that oh maybe perhaps uh, we should start something with um, investing and yeah. start to research more about investing and all that how, yeah. how do you actually start your research I mean like the investing period there I mean it, it is a lot of grey area it's, it's a lot of buzzword behind mm. investing and all that and there's yeah. a lot of sources behind that like you go to YouTube channel and you start searching of like how do I start investing and I'm sure you'll be loaded with a whole lot of uh, channels and episodes about that yeah. how, do you, how do you even start with that research of it was, investing it was really difficult for me actually because I really obviously I didn't have a background in something like finance or, or, or commerce or economics mm. or anything yeah. like that which, which some people study at uni and they kind of get mm. that groundwork that foundation laid through th- through their mm-hmm. studies but yeah that's that's exactly right there's there's a lot of kind of uh there, there's not a really good kind of place where you can go just to get that really beginner information so mm-hmm. um it that actually unfortunately led me to uh make a lot of mistakes with my investing when I was brand new to the game um so it was kind of after I'd made a few of those mistakes that I decided, no, 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 I should try and really, you know, really understand this and research it properly. And that's when I just, I mainly just started reading books. I was just reading books from some of the world's best investors. Mm. And, um, and I thought that that, that was a good starting point. Um, and then I kind of got, I kind of, realized um that you know warren buffett was the best investor in the world so i should probably (laughs) try i should probably try and listen to what warren uh, talks about so i ended up just watching a a heap of kind of like warren buffett interviews on youtube and um and also a really good resource to kind of learn the 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 foundation knowledge of investing is to just read through uh warren buffett's annual letter to shareholders he's been doing them since the 60s and you just go in and read what he says to the berkshire hathaway shareholders and that really gives you a lot of insights about investing so yeah i've I've read a few of those (laughs) wow so when you started investing um you mentioned that you make a few mistakes right could you maybe share with us that mistakes yeah yeah um so the mistakes really the mistakes i made the the biggest mistake i made when i was first starting out was the fact that i would hear uh you know a fund manager on the internet um or, or someone that seemed like, you know, a, a professional in the industry, they would start talking about a particular stock, um, mm. whatever it might be. And because I didn't know any better, I was just a, a nobody. I'd never really looked into investing. I just thought, you know what, this fund manager looks like he's pretty smart and he was, he's recommending this stock. Let's, let's try that one. And, um, Sure enough, uh, you know, fund managers actually turn out to be not the best at picking stocks themselves. So <laughs> basically, I, I got caught where I got caught in a position where I had I had a couple of investments in these different companies based on I was investing based on what someone else thought, which is actually just a terrible investment strategy. Um, mm. uh, so yeah, I, I ended up in that position, and you know, the stocks started bouncing around, and I just didn't know what to do because obviously I was relying on on what this other person had, had, had said to me. So yeah, <laughs> that, that's probably the biggest mistake that I made when I started out and I lost a bit of money, but you know, the stock market's a very, a very humbling place. <laughs> yes. So you actually, uh, follow the strategy, which is, you know, following whatever stocks that they actually recommend. And then they probably throw in some buzzwords saying that this is going to go up, this is going to boom. And then you, actually- yeah, exactly. Right. 
Yeah, um, I just heard like someone, someone's on a YouTube video or something, an Australian fund manager was talking about this stock. Um, mm-hmm. And then I just decided to jump in based on what they had said. And, and then sure enough, the stock went down by like 30%. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, totally caught out. But luckily, I, I don't do that anymore. I, I trust in my own research much more these days. <laughs> nice. So yeah, I think we would like to know more about like, you know, your research. And I think you also... Uh, follow a certain strategy right so probably we want to know what is the financial hack that you would like to give to millennials who especially just started working and don't have a lot of money at hand but want to start investing yeah well i think that when it comes to my investing strategy i tend to focus a lot now that i'm kind of doing this full time i focus <clears throat> excuse me i focus a lot on on individual companies and and trying to read through you know annual reports and quarterly reports and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and really get a proper mm-hmm. understanding of individual businesses yep. however that's just that's just me personally and i understand that most millennials they don't really have the time to do that and they don't really have the patience to do that either i mean yep. annual reports can be very lengthy and it's mm-hmm. some of them can be quite dry so in, in all honesty, and I actually ran a poll on uh, my Profitful Facebook page and I just reached out to everyone that was following that page and I said, hey, are you more, are, do you invest in individual businesses or do you just invest in the market overall, which is passive investing, where you just mm, slowly yeah. contribute to a portfolio that's diversified across a, a long period of time? Mm. And I just asked them, do you, are you more of a passive investor or an active investor? And it was about a 60-40 split. Most people were actually passive investors. So, And it makes sense oh. because that's more of the mm. set and forget approach where you just diversify across the whole market and you show up every you know quarter or every six months or every year and you just keep buying in. So you're just a net buyer of stocks over over literally decades. And then you just end up getting the, the average market return, which across most major markets, turns out to be about 7% annually. Now, it doesn't mean that that happens every single year, obviously. Some years are better, some years are worse. But if you even out all the years, then it it roughly averages out to 7%. So that's probably the biggest hack that I could maybe say for millennials that are interested in starting to invest mm. is that it, it doesn't have to be, you know, number crunching. It doesn't have to be, you have to put your head in a, in a massive annual report and come out eight hours mm-hmm. later, not really understanding anything. You can just kind of set yourself up with passive investments like a listed investment company or something like an, an exchange traded fund, an ETF. And you can start you can start by being diversified across the whole market and you can just get into the market and just start building a portfolio that over 10, 20, 30, 40 years will actually help you achieve that wealth that you're kind of looking for. I mean, you want to put your money, the, any money you do have to, to good use. So um, it's better to at least start, maybe if you're even just a passive investor, it's, it's better to just start as opposed to just keeping your money in a bank account and it just doing nothing for you. Yeah, I can, I can totally relate to that. And I think when I just started investing, there is always that hurdle like oh no which stocks should I buy and there's like if you're talking about stocks there's like countless there's like thousands of different stocks that, that oh so many yeah and, and for you to even go into their financial reports to actually analyze it that is like another skills and people are actually specialized in their industry their whole life are actually dedicated to analyzing all these stocks and all that and that mm. can be yeah. such a burden or such a hurdle for people who, who just want to start investing um, exactly right yeah yeah and, and what do you think actually also like for me 
uh, when I started investing, there is also that hurdle of like that fear of like investing and all that stuff. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Do you, did you face that too, or? Yeah, I I think I did definitely. Um, there, there's definitely a big psychological hurdle, as you're saying, to actually get started with investing. Mm. Um, you're right because there's so many unknowns, especially if you're new to investing. It's like oh. Even if I buy into this stock, you know, have I missed something? You know, is there something that I, I should know that I don't? I mean, you're pretty well protected if you're buying super diversified investments like, say, a market tracking ETF. But exactly right. I mean, it's 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 quite it's quite difficult as a new investor to actually take that leap. And, you know, put put your hard-earned money on the line. Like, that's true. Yes, that's true. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's 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 really I'm not even sure like mm-hmm. what what I could recommend to help you feel more comfortable. Um I mean, yeah. I think the the thing is just to do as much research as as possible just to try yeah. and just try and uh reduce the potential of of you making some mistake. Sure. That's right. And I absolutely like that you mentioned that you know, for us we we actually we can actually do this strategy called dollar cost averaging, which is really as what you said. We we are we're not gonna be sure, and no, I, and I'm pretty sure no one knows what the future stock market is gonna look like, whether it's gonna go up or go down. So yeah. we are taking a very neutral and passive standpoint to actually let's let's put our money in. Uh, yeah. And 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 this is what the dollar cost averaging is supposed mm. to do. And correct me if I'm wrong. Is that you put an X amount of money that you're comfortable with uh, every single month or even every single fortnight, uh, yep. and then you do the same amount every single time, whether it is yep. monthly or fortnightly. And the stock will definitely go up, and it will definitely mm. go down. It will fluctuate on its own. And what we are trying to do is that on the ten years uh, time frame. We're gonna get yep. the average price that it has yes. gone up and gone down. So you're not, you're not in in some way like you're not just waiting for it to go down until the lowest, and you're not waiting yep. in some sense, but you're just doing a very diligent uh, mm. and disciplined kind of investing, no matter what. Am I yep. right? Is that how dollar yeah, ex- cost averaging works? Because I learned it from yeah, your channel, do- honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dollar cost averaging is. Um- is probably the number one strategy that you want to look at if you are wanting to be a passive investor, someone who doesn't have time to read the annual reports and, and do the you know mm. the discounted cash flow analysis and all that sort of stuff that comes with individual stock selection, which is quite difficult. You're exactly right. Dollar cost averaging is is by far the the simplest strategy and it's it's by far the most achievable because it, it is exactly what you say. It takes that emotion out of investing. It yes. dollar cost averaging is you saying, okay, I know that I can't time the market. I know yes. that I don't know if in the next week the stock market is going to go up or go down. The only mm-hmm. thing that I know is that when I look on Yahoo Finance and I look at the market and I scroll out over 10, 20, 30 years, all I see is that the market goes up. In between that time, it goes up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. But if you take that mm-hmm. 10, 20, 30-year horizon, then you're right. You see it and, it and it goes up. So you, exactly what you're saying, dollar cost averaging mm-hmm. is the idea that whether it's a fortnight, a month, half, you know, every half a year or every year, you just come back with the same market tracking investment with mm-hmm. the same dollar amount that you want to invest and you just keep buying. 
So when the stock market's really high, you're going to invest, say, $5,000, and you're not going to get that many shares for it. But on the flip side, if in six months, if the market's crashed, you invest another $5,000, you're going to get heaps more shares this time around. And it's, it's that whole mentality of stay consistent, do the same thing every so often for a very long period of time, and that will even you out to the market return over time, which history proves to be about, you know, 7 8%. Wow. And I like the part that where you said like you're actually taking this whole strategy takes the emotion out of the investing because I feel like investing a lot of times is the emotions that gets into us that Very you know, so, somehow yeah. like make us goes into uh, a lot of problems, right? Like for example, we gotta Definitely. we gotta know like the current situation that we are having right now. We are the market just crashed uh, in the past two weeks or one week, right? Yeah. And yeah. a lot of times that's because people panic and the emotions get into them and they sell the stocks, they sell their positions. And yeah, yeah what, what do you say about this? Like right now, there's yeah. such, such a crisis going on. Um, how, how, how should we invest in this crisis? Yeah, it's exactly right. You're, you're 100% correct in that investing is is about maybe 1% skill and it's just 99% emotion because exactly mm. right. And uh, you, you've even seen, uh, there's a graphic that I saw not too long ago and the graphic was basically comparing the performance of the market and whether the news articles were, the financial headlines were positive or negative. And basically when the market's going up, all the headlines that you read are positive. <laughs> and yep. when the market goes down, all the headlines that you read are negative. So, and that makes sense for the news outlets because they they want to they want to get as many viewers to their articles right. as possible. Mm-hmm. So they're going to play on the emotions that people are feeling at the time. And exactly right. Like investing is just so, especially for people that are new, investing does become so emotional because you're right. You, you if you're new to the market, you see a market crash like this. Say if you invested a month ago and now you're down thirty percent, there's mm. definitely that fear inside you that you know you look at your portfolio and you see negative thirty percent and you yes. start freaking out like this is mm. this is your first investment and I'm down thirty percent. Um, so you're exactly right. Um, and that's why we talk about the dollar cost averaging, just having that set strategy that you have agreed to yourself that you're going to follow. It's just so important because, uh, yeah, that can it, just any way that you can really have a rules based investing approach where you take your emotions out of it um, mm-hmm. is going to help. Because if like even if, if you don't have some sort of set strategy right now, you look at the market and you, you could probably be thinking two things. You could probably be excited because the market's gone down 30%. And that means you get to invest more at a lower price and that'll help you out in the long run. Or you yep. could be feeling the complete opposite. You could be feeling that the market's gone down by 30%. What if it goes down another 30%? What if, you know, the, the, the coronavirus continues and causes a global recession and the stock market goes down by 60% over all Um, and that that could be a very fearful situation so i think for me anyway with my investing it's not so much about um trying to time the market or be clever in in uh in you know in predicting what's going to happen it's it's just really just looking at the situation that is at hand and the the opportunity that you've got at the time and whether or not you want to you want to take it or not and focusing on the long term helps you get through that. That's a, a really important thing. You always have to stay super focused on the long term because, yep. you know, 
this is this is what what's happening at the moment with the coronavirus and and causing markets to fall. I mean, the coronavirus is not going to be a long term issue. Like by long term, I mean ten, twenty, thirty years. Mm. So by by unlocking your thinking and and not thinking about what happens in the next two or three months, but thinking about well, what's going to happen in the next ten or twenty years, then then that can sometimes make investing much more clearer because you might step back and go, oh, actually. It's not such a big deal. If I'm putting this money into the market and I'm not going to touch it for 10 or 20 years, then what happens in the next week or two doesn't really matter at all. That's right. Mm-hmm. And in fact, like the downturn that the stock is going down is in fact more of an opportunity than, than something yeah. that you should be fearful of, right? Mm-hmm. If, if, if you're a passive investor and you buy into investments that are mm-hmm. tracking the market and you're going and you've agreed to yourself that you're going to follow that dollar cost averaging strategy... And you're going to be an investor for, <clears throat> say, at least another ten years. Yep. Then any market, any market decline, simply presents you an opportunity. It's an opportunity in your dollar cost averaging cycle to pick up shares when they're cheaper, which will help your long term rate of return be better. Um, sure. However, then if you flip, if you flip the coin and look at that active investing, individual stock selection kind of. Um, a, a style of investing, I suppose. Then it's a little bit trickier. Then you have to, you do have to kind of go in and look at individual businesses on an individual basis and make sure that while the, you know, the coronavirus or whatever it might be is causing a short-term issue for that company, you have to kind of judge and analyze whether that will be a long-term issue. Because if it is going to be a long-term issue for that company, then you're in 10, 10 15, 20 years, this company might be severely hampered by what's going on right now. But if it's a short-term issue for that company, then you'd probably be totally right. So it's kind of two strategies, two sides of the coin. You probably approach the situation differently depending on what type of investor you are. Yeah, that I, I, Brendan, that is such a key message. I really want to bring across that listeners that you know investment it's really about being consistent and thinking long term right and i think what you just shared is exactly so crucial especially for us young millennial when we have the time to actually Mm. you know wait for the next 20 to 30 years right where we are at at an age where we just started off having income coming to us and we need to know how we can actually properly manage this to the best mm-hmm. advantage, prepare for be it retirement, be it for your future adult plan, yep. you know, making a family and all that. And I think, yeah, like what you just said about dollar cost averaging and thinking long term and looking at this crisis as just this short term downfall where it yep. presents itself as an opportunity than a crisis. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's something that I feel millennials and all of us should actually uh, be aware the biggest thing with, that I find with people that are, are young, you know, they're like us, they're, you know, very early on in their careers or their investing timeframes, the number one thing that people want to do is they want to get rich quick. And that yes. is in, incredibly hard to do. And That's the right. stock market is not reliable at generating a lot of money in a short period of time because it's it's kind of just like tossing a coin in, in yes. the short mm-hmm. term. But exactly what you're saying just then... If I think Warren Buffett says something like it's the, the stock market is a really bad get rich quick scheme, but it's quite a reliable get rich slow scheme. Right. Yes. <laughs> so yes. If if you can if you can have that discipline as a young investor, 
not to think about, you know, investing in the next flashy, hot new stock that could go up by 500% in a month. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't worry about that. But if, if you can put the foundations in place that you know, like a dollar cost averaging strategy, what we're talking about, that you know you're going to adhere to for multiple, like potentially multiple decades, then that that's that's really the secret. The biggest secret to to making good returns in the stock market is to think about the long term. And, yes. and don't get swept up in whatever's going on in, you know, the next month or, or the previous month. Just keep that really long-term mindset and keep your, your thinking, your strategy very long-term. And it just makes everything else much, much clearer. I 100% agree with that. I think we millennials are having this uh, personality where we, we want to get things very instantly, right? We have this instant gratification yeah. on things and that comes to this as yeah. well. We want to get rich quick, how to get rich quick. Mm-hmm. And they look at stock yep. market and for example, they, 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 see, they hear the news about Tesla rising up for a few hundred percent and then they're like, yeah. oh my God, how I wish I can just get in on time. And then they start to put this investment strategy as if it's like gambling where they can actually get rich quick. And what yeah. you just said is totally tr- so true. It de- demystify this whole concept of instant gratification and instead to be yeah. patient, to be disciplined and think long-term. Like, yeah, exactly what Warren Buffett said as well. And you, actually, I also want to quote a Warren Buffett quote where yeah. it, it's in relation to people being greedy. It's that yeah. <clears throat> we have to be fearful when people are greedy and to be greedy when people are fearful. And it's actually yep. in very relation to this crisis where a lot of people are just being fearful. They sell off their stocks. Mm. And that's mm. why right now the we are going, we're heading to a recession and it's also, it's faster than ever that we are heading to a bear market. Uh, yep. and, and that's because of all the negative news that has been circling around. And, mm. and like... People are fearful. And this is actually the time where we, we can so-called be greedy and put our money in and invest. Because mm. this, this, this is actually an opportunity by itself that a lot mm. of people actually don't see. And you can see, you can see the, the fear, not even just in the stock market. Like I knew that when times got tough, I knew that I would see fear in the stock market, but I did not anticipate that I would see so much fear just in everyday life. Like yes. you go to the shopping centers and there's no toilet paper, there's no <laughs> pasta, there's no rice, know, there's right? no people are just so fearful that they're buying, you know, they're buying the stores out. I, I heard something that the the CEO of Woolworths the other day, he was saying that they're actually trying that their, their models at the moment, they're trying to imagine that Australia currently has sixty million people living in it because that's the kind of demand that they're experiencing in their shops at the moment. Holy so it's crazy. Like you just see how much fear, like just fear in general, like at the, at the supermarket, just <laughs> it's unbelievable just how yes. quickly and how fearful people can be. Yeah, it is quite crazy actually. And I, I got to say like, even when before this whole thing went down, uh, you know, I have been, I've been following the strategy of dollar cost averaging for quite a while since last year yep. when I started working and it has been rising and of course the stock market has been on an all-time high last year as well um, and, 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 and it feels good to see the positive uh, balance but then when mm. it starts crashing down it goes from like a positive to, uh, negative. to totally negative it literally it feels like times negative of that number itself 
And, yeah. and I gotta say, I was actually even even following the strategy itself, I was also panicking inside where it, it almost got to the emotional side of me that maybe I should do something about it by maybe mm. following the fear of selling the stocks or selling my position and all that. But I have to mm. keep in mind, and I think when I was watching your video, I think that's where I got inspired, where I shouldn't think of this as a crisis. I should be actually getting more of it. I should, I should actually, yeah. you know, it's an opportunity. That's mm-hmm. right. Look at this as an mm-hmm. opportunity and make sure I follow my investment strategy and as disciplined as it is. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think that um, I think that the a, a good kind of quote, I don't know where this comes from, um, mm-hmm. but a good kind of quote to remember is that every investor, no matter who they are, they, they still feel the emotions of investing. Like, mm-hmm. you, you look at Ron Barron, he's a big Tesla shareholder, and mm-hmm. when Tesla was going through the roof, he was on TV, he was jumping around, he was dancing, he was singing, he's obviously <laughs> very euphoric, and he is a fantastic investor. So, yep. all, no matter who you are, even, like, even the best of the best investors, they definitely feel all of these emotions when the stock drops. You know, if you, if you make a, a paper loss of 30% tomorrow, you're going to feel bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the, the best investors in the world, they feel their emotions, but they don't act on them. Whereas right. the, the, the investors that, that gen- generally fail are the ones that feel the emotions and then act on them. But the best investors have a, a set of rules or a strategy or a, just a, a, a mentality where they, they feel their emotions, but they don't let their emotions persuade what actions they take when it comes to investing. They have that rules-based, proven investment approach that they adhere to even when their emotions are pulling them left and right. That's, that's, so right, that's right. That's right. So that is true, and um, you know, as we as much as we talk about the strategy of dollar cost averaging and the mindset that we should have, um, even yep. like when we invest in a market, for example, the ETFs, right? That we talk a lot about. Yep. Um, there's a lot of a lot of different kind of ETFs, and maybe can you talk to us a bit more? I think there was there was also an episode on that uh, in your channel. And I, I totally love it because it, it educates me on also the different version of ETFs and mm-hmm. how we can actually diversify further in the ETFs that we are holding. Oh, perhaps we should first define what's ETF. I oh, believe. yes. What is ETF? So, yeah, maybe can you touch on that? Yeah. So, an ETF is basically an investment. It's an investment vehicle where yep. basically takes all of the investor's money. So, you're buying shares in this ETF takes the money and it invests per a predetermined investment objective. That's basically all it means. So so it has, say, for instance, we invest in an ETF that its investment objective is to mimic the performance of the ASX 200 index. And for those that don't know, the ASX 200 is just the grouping together of the 200 largest Australian companies that are listed on the ASX. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> all these ETFs, they are purely passive in their approach. So they take all the investors' money. In this case, we're looking at the ASX 200 and the ETF, it just buys all the companies that are in the top, you know, the ASX 200, because it's trying to get the exact same return as that index that it's tracking the ASX 200. Mm -hmm. So it's not run necessarily by these big asset managers who are selecting stocks to go in the ETF or out of the ETF. 
it's just it's purely passive. It says on the tin exactly what it's going to do, and it continues to do that. If it says it's going to mimic the performance of the, of the ASX 200, it's going to go up with the ASX 200, and it's going to go down with the ASX 200. So an ETF is just a big basket of stocks that's grouped under one investment and the basket of stocks that it buys into is determined on the investment objective. So exactly right. You, you can have uh, ETFs with different investment objectives. So you can have ones that track a particular sector or ones that track, a I don't know, a particular uh, uh, industry or something or, or ones that track the market generally mm-hmm. um, by tracking a particular index. So and. I mean, the list goes on. They're, they can get yeah. really complicated um, with the type, with the with the particular index that they're tracking or, or whatever they're trying to track. Mm-hmm. For me, though, when when I think about you know investing in ETFs, what I'm thinking about is, okay, well, where, where's the evidence for this this kind of passive investing approach? And all the evidence that has come out points to tracking a general market index because that all of the evidence talks about getting the market return. And in America, they talk about the return of the S&P 500. In Australia, they talk yep. about the, the return, the average return of the ASX 200. Um, you know, over in Europe or something, they might t- talk about the average return of the London st- Stock Exchange. So... Um, when when I look at ETFs, I try not to get too fancy with them. I don't want to track, you know, the healthcare sector or the mining sector or something like that, um, mm-hmm. because. I mean, at, at that point, what you're trying to do is no longer passive because by buying that ETF that tracks maybe the healthcare sector, you're not just trying to get the average market return. You're actually trying to buy an ETF that you know, tracks healthcare. And that means that by investing in it, you think that healthcare is going to outperform the general market. So you're actually being an active investor as opposed to a passive investor. So right. when I think about ETF investing, I just think about, well, where's the evidence? The evidence talks about the market, total market as, you know, as a whole in Australia mm-hmm. or in the US, generally getting kind of seven to 8% um, per year if you're looking at a, a at a long-standing average. So that's basically all, all I look to do with ETFs is if I'm buying an ETF, I'm just trying to get the same return over time as the market in general. Right. Okay. So you, you your advice is pretty much uh, putting in the investment ETF to the market that is mimicking the market index, right? For example, the ASX 200 or the S&P 500, which tracks the US top 500 yeah. companies rather than industry related like healthcare as you mentioned or even some that's yeah. more tech uh, tech companies yeah ex- ex- exactly right like and and what you know what market you like you would like to track it totally depends on you know what your thoughts on the future are i mean there's evidence that actually the australian market has slightly outperformed the us market over the long run um, but you know are, are you as an investor particularly uh, interested in the you know, would you prefer to back the Australian market because maybe you're from Australia? If you're sitting over in New York or something, then maybe you might say, you know, I know America better than anywhere else. I might track right. the S and P 500. Um, you know, it, it just it really just depends on maybe your geographical location, what market mm. you know the best. But if you're looking at most you know, well-developed markets around the world, um, then you're probably in, you know, more or less, you're looking at roughly a 7% average annual return. I see. And and I, I just think that it is also worth mentioning, perhaps, that 
um, in the investment, especially in the ETFs, where it is a portfolio of uh, stocks and assets there, um, it is hard to say that it's right and wrong in investing in certain types of uh, ETFs. And I think what, uh, especially for those people who are starting to, um, to, to want to invest, um, perhaps they could just start with certain ETFs and then they can uh, start researching on other ETFs and perhaps if they think yeah. that there's certain types of uh, ETFs that they think uh, will grow in the future that they would like to get involved in, they can certainly just go with uh, purchasing the, some of the ETFs there. And I think the biggest mistakes that us millennials can do is to not invest at the first place. And I think that's yeah. something that we, we will definitely like to focus on in, in, in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I think that just generally, if you're someone that has never even, you know, looked at stock market investing before, then it's a great place to start. Just start mm-hmm. to research some of the some of the market tracking ETFs that exist out there, because yeah. as we've been saying, they're widely diversified. So mm-hmm. the risk of loss is, is lower than if you were trying to pick an individual company. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just maybe start looking at some Investopedia pages. I mean, I don't want to plug my business too much, but mm-hmm. for instance, like Profitful, I've, I've made a couple of courses. If people are interested, mm-hmm. you want to, you want to actually learn a step-by-step approach, but yeah. um, that, yeah, just, I think the, the big takeaway is just to start kind of reaching out and exploring information. I mean, there's there's a wealth of information even on YouTube. You just type into YouTube, what is an ETF? How do they work? Um, Australian ETFs, you know, American ETFs or, or whatever. And, and nice. you find heaps of information. Cool, cool. And I, I just would like to just touch on uh, of one more thing, which is um, how do we even start investing or like the platform of us even starting to invest? Yeah. Especially um, for us, I mean, for me and my brother, we use this uh, app called pocket which is by combank and it yep. actually allows you to just invest in these seven uh etfs that is sold in uh, asx and they actually yeah. some of the etfs actually is also uh indexed to some of the global ones like uh, the nasdaq yeah there's the ioo yeah yeah yep. there's, there's actually and they also limit our choice actually and that's also yep. some of the things that um, that could help us because sometimes we have too many options and it is really hard yes, for us to yeah. choose. So actually, this this uh, we we are not affiliated by Combank or anything. Don't 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 get us wrong here. But I think it is <laughs> such a good application for other people to start getting uh, investing uh, in, in 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 the market. Uh, is there yep. any any other like platform that you think could really be helpful for us millennials to to get into the investment side to it? Um, there's, uh, I guess there's like, there's a few out there. I think that the Comsec pocket app is, is quite a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, you do need to be a Commonwealth bank customer to yep. have an account with, with uh, Comsec pocket, but you're exactly right. That's a really good kind of well-structured app for people that are new to investing. You're right. All the, I think there's like seven different investing options. Mm-hmm. That's right. They're all ETFs. Um, they're just different types of ETFs. So there's one for say that, like, I think the NASDAQ 100, which is mm-hmm. the big tech companies of the of yep. the US. There's one for the Australian market. There's one for I, th- I believe for dividends. That's right. Um, I think there's an, there's an ethical one as well. So yeah, there's a couple of different options there which kind of make it easier. Mm-hmm. Um, people like to turn to those apps like Raise or Spaceship where mm, yes. they 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 again are very passive in their nature. So they're all about ETFs and just chipping away over time and building a portfolio over time. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you've got like the raise functionality where say if you buy a coffee for, you know, 
three fifty, then it'll round up to four dollars and and put Definitely. fifty cents into your 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 investments. Which is you know, if you're someone that really doesn't want to pay any attention to your investing. That can be a helpful strategy just to, it kind of forces you to invest without you really realizing it over time, which can be helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, The only thing I'd say is just make sure, you know, whatever app or whatever brokerage site you look at, just check what their fees are, um, check any hidden costs, Mm, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, just generally speaking, I I think people do, they're they're not quite sure where, where to start or how to buy shares, but it's quite basic. Like in Australia... The minimum amount that you have to invest um, for the first time is $500 just because that's an ASX rule. Um, And that's the first time you buy into a particular stock, whether it be an ETF or an individual stock. Mm. And so that's basically step number one. And then step number two is you need to do that through a brokerage site. So brokerage site is the the application that actually executes the trade that you want to make. It connects the buyer with the seller and makes sure that when you say, yes, I'd like to buy some Commonwealth Bank shares that Mm. actually... Help, does that process of, of connecting you and making sure you own those shares. So there are so many brokerage sites out there. Um, I, I always say, look, the easiest way to start out with is if you bank with one of the four major banks already, then mm-hmm. all four of those major banks here in Australia have brokerage services. So yeah. you can just have a look at at, um, at at one of those banks for a starting point. But there are so many out there. So just have a look at the different fees. But yeah, in terms of apps, Raise, Spaceship, Comsec Pocket, all those ones are, are all pretty good. Awesome, man. Thanks, Brendan. There's so many useful hacks and tips that you, you just told us and we totally appreciate that. Um, just want to ask... Oh, no worries. <laughs> is there anything else that you would like to add uh, that we might not have discussed or we might have missed? Um, I think we've covered a good kind of range of different topics. I think maybe just reiterating more than anything else is just if, you, if you're getting started with investing... Um, just make sure that you you understand what you want to get out of it <clears throat> first up. You know, understand whether you do want to be a passive investor or whether you want to be an active investor. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, no matter what investing strategy you look at, always maintain that long-term philosophy, that long-term investing horizon, that long-term investing approach. Yep. Um, and and try and stay rational, like as we were saying before. Um, I think we've, we've actually hit some really good points in this podcast, you know, just... Um, Yes, you're going to feel emotions, especially if you're a new investor. You'll likely buy a stock, and and even though if you're a, maybe buying an ETF, you it doesn't really matter what the price what what happens to the price in the next month. You'll probably tune in and check exactly what the price is every single day. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> when you've just bought in, that seems to be a characteristic of of new investors. They just want to see exactly what's going on with their with their investment. But mm-hmm. um, try not to get caught up in the emotion um, of the of of investing. You know, obviously, if you read the news too much at the moment you'll think that the the world's about to shut down and, yes. and explode and and that's the end of that so try to just keep a cool head and 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 think about the long term and that's probably the biggest piece of advice i could give awesome man that's really wonderful advice brendan i i really we really appreciate you coming us to actually talk us a lot about these financial tips and hacks and oh, that's uh, all right to those listeners out there, I highly recommend checking out his YouTube account. Uh, it's called Aussie Wealth Creation. He talks much more on this that we have just discussed in a brief period of time. He covers in-depth in all of his episodes. And I highly recommend subscribing it and checking it out. You wouldn't regret it. Thanks again for uh, having being with us in the show, Brendan. We really appreciate that. 
Yeah, no worries. And and thanks very much for having me on. I think, you know, this the the whole idea of what you guys are doing with your podcast is uh, is really awesome. So, um yeah, it's it's a an honor for me to be on the podcast and and chat with you guys. So, thanks very much for having me. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Thank Likewise, you. having you here, it's an honor to us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and hopefully after listening to this episode, you you can have a different percep- uh, perception of investing and if you have not invested, hopefully that this can give you a bit of a kickstart to like uh, research more on my investing and hopefully invest and also at this moment of crisis uh, we hope that you guys stay safe and stay calm at the same time yep i think uh, that is it for this episode uh, thank you for listening thank you again brendan and uh, we'll Thanks. see you guys next time peace see you guys peace